Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to be in God's house today. Amen. Feel His presence. Be able to sing about His perfect nature. Be able to sing about how good He is to us. Amen. 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 It's a pleasure and an honor to be able to bring the word this morning. You will probably never know or understand, maybe some of the ministers will, but I am so glad that I am preaching this morning because I've had a burden on my heart for about two and a half weeks, just waiting for the opportunity, and uh, I, got, I can't make excuses for the message that I want to preach this morning. I'm not going to, I just want God to speak to my heart, and I want to be preached to this morning. Yeah. I want my heart to be preached to this morning. Yes, sir. Amen, amen, amen. I always want to encourage the local assembly. I always want to make it to where they say, you know what, I can make it. I can do this. Yes. Uh, as a local minister and not a pastor, it is not my responsibility to clean up trash and clean up the mess of people's lives, but let God do it. And let me just encourage you and allow you to be a better Christian, to be more like him. That's my responsibility. Pastor's pastor. I just want to preach and minister the word of God this morning. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, I'll read a text here in just a moment that I did want to, if we could, if we could, I want to have prayer. If we could God, just pray that God will touch me this morning. I'm not feeling very good in my body at all. And I just as he always does, give me strength, and you do, you just never know what can happen, and God just give you strength, and you feel like you're weak, and you don't feel good, but before you know it, it's the end of the message, and people's prayed, and churches being business. That's what I mean this morning. If we could just ask God to, to touch the situation with uh, the illnesses where pastor's at right now, uh, with Brother Chris and Sister Tracy, and and their family that I need God to touch today. Can we just ask God to touch and heal all the sickness in this church? That we just get rid of it and never have it anymore. Heavenly Father, we need you today. We need your healing hand, Master, to touch each and every one of us. God, heal our bodies, God. You see everything that everybody's going through. God, be illness is God. God, we pray, God, your healing virtue flow through each and every one, God. Touch them and lift them up, God. Heal their bodies, God. Give them strength, God. We're done with it, God, the sickness that's plagued each and every one of our families. We need you, God, to heal it, God. Give us the strength, God. Draw us close to you, God. Allow us all to be in the house of God. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Master. We thank you for it, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. You may be seated. I want to bring a message that God had laid on my heart. It was a Tuesday morning, weeks ago. And God laid it on my heart so strong, so very strong. It's not let off of my heart. And I don't want to always uh, castigate the blame on somebody else that would hear the message. But I want to take the message and apply it likewise unto myself. And I want to preach to us this morning the portrait of imperfection. 
the portrait of imperfection. We read through Exodus chapter 32. We see Aaron's excuse on a familiar story. He's talking about the golden calf that Moses had come down from talking with God. And they were down there worshiping a golden calf. And it said, make us gods that will go before us. For as his fellow Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. So Aaron said unto them, Whoever has gold, bring it off. So they gave it to him, and he threw it in the fire. And out came a golden calf. And as the story goes, and I can only imagine what goes through Moses' mind as he's standing there hearing the story. It's as if the children of our own family, and they do something, and and we just shake our head when they say, well, I don't know how this mess happened. And you sit there knowing they did it. You know that they knew what they were doing. They were misbehaving. They were acting out of character and out of conduct. And as Moses is standing there, we listen to this ridiculous explanation. However, there was some truth in it. We find that Aaron minimized his role in making the cap. But with his own explanation, he called to attention the fact that it was not a masterpiece, but it was hastily thrown together. Something fashioned on the fly, something that didn't have a blueprint. It wasn't in the hand of a master. We find the golden calf was hastily crafted by Aaron, and it could hardly have been the work of art. And yet the Israelites were willing to worship this half-baked God as their God that is ill-formed and flawed. The sign was not a work of art, but it was a piece of junk, something that everybody contributed to of their goal of their own life and, and gave it to him and said, why don't you make something for us to worship? And no one would fear a flawed God. No one would fear the flawed God that Aaron had fashioned because it was a little cheap God. It was just an idol. It was something that was fashioned. But God wouldn't be near them. They would always be seen afar off. And then when they wanted him, they could walk up and, and touch their God that they had fashioned. When they needed him, they could go up and just touch him. And he wouldn't always be there for them. But it was something that they sacrificed to a molten image. But they refused to worship and serve the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. But the true God, the living God, is perfect in holiness. The God who has no shadow of turning as we read the scripture is beautiful for every situation it applies in everybody's life this God of perfection requires a holy people to worship him and to serve him to make that possible he bestows his own divine nature on those who obey him God gives us his attributes when we lift our hands and worship him it's not just the spine tingling or the good feeling that we get when we walk in the house of God and say, this is an apostolic church. But it's God's own divine nature shining down on us and saying, you're doing something that I'm pleased with. You're lifting your hands and you're worshiping me. You're obeying commandments of the word of God. It's not just a feeling. It's obedience. The world, and that includes most of the religious world, seek a flawed God to worship. They seek someone that does not make them feel uncomfortable. They seek something that they can identify to 
and the flaws and the errors, and it's made by man in that way. It no longer can require, make any requirements of them because it's man-made. It's something that is not made by the hands of God. And we find it as we go through apostolic churches. You can go across this land. People may believe Columbus. They may believe the necessity of being baptized. They may believe the necessity of being filled with the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But let me tell you, saints of God, they have whittled away at an idol that have made them to themselves. To allow it to be a little more palatable, a little more easy to swallow, a, a pill a little more easy to taste as it goes down. But God tells us, each and every one of us, to be pleasing in His sight, not for Him to be pleasing in our sight. God draws us to Him to make us more like His image, not for us to draw Him to us and to make us and Him pull on our characteristics. I am my Savior, my God, the one who sacrificed his life to be like me. I must be like him. I didn't write a book. I didn't pen it. I didn't make some scriptures. I didn't write any words. But let me tell you, saints of God, this precious scripture is to make me a magnet unto him and draw myself and say, God, to be like you. My human nature of myself, it is nigh unto impossible for me to take a pill. It is nigh unto impossible for me to grab a water or a daily vitamin and pop it in my mouth. And I could have Xander come up here, he makes fun of me, he'll swallow something and he mimics my moves when I'm trying to swallow a pill. And, and it's hilarious looking over at him. And, and it's just, I've never been successful taking medicine. So one time I had pneumonia, and I told the doctor, I said, listen, I don't care if you're going to give me kids medicine. Give it to me in a liquid form. I'm tired of being sick. I need something. And so he gave me pills. He said, well, there's one pill I can't give you in a, in a liquid form, but you can crush it up and take it some applesauce like some of the uh, people of older age than you. And so I said, I'm going to try it. I'm so desperate. I'm going to try it. Sister Golf crushed it up, got me a pill crusher, put it in the applesauce, mixed it up, sitting there sick. I've been sick for weeks on end, couldn't even go to work. And so I took a bite of this applesauce. It was the most putrid, the most nastiest, the most gut-wrenching taste of applesauce I've ever had in my life. It was so nasty, I said, one bite is enough. One bite suffices me. But we try to take God and break Him down and make it to where we can swallow and say, you know what? I can do a little bit of this apostolic thing. I can do a little bit of, a bit of this and make it to where I feel like I'm doing the right thing. But God says, take hold of me. He's going to draw us unto Him. He's going to be the one that says, you know what? You may not like repentance, but you need to swallow it whole. You may not like praying every day, but you got to swallow it whole. You may not subjected to the ministry, but you've got to swallow it whole. You may not like your kid about your attitude, but you have to swallow it whole. you got to take God as he is and be trying to build it into the image of a calf that was hastily formed out of a fire made of things that God prohibited. But we testify to a fact that thank God we have a pastor, we have ministers in this church that will preach Jesus 
high and lifted up. The God who sings and prayers for us. Not the watered down version where I can stand there on a television station and blink my eyes and, and say, just be good and God will find a way to get you there. Just be good and read my book or just pack in by the hundreds of thousands in, in these churches and just do what you feel is right. You're breaking it down and you're grinding God up and saying, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. God's saying, listen, I'll tell you what you need to tell you. Brings us to our text today. Ezekiel, if you'll turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 1 says, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month and the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, and the hand of the Lord God fell upon me. Then behold, the lower likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance from his loins he did downward fire, and from his loins he did upward, as the appearance of brightness. And the color of amber. He put forth the form of a hand. And took me by the lock of my head. And the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven. And brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem. To the door of the inner gate. That looked toward the north. Where was the seat of the image of the jealousy. Of jealousy. Which provoketh to jealousy. Behold the glory of the God of Israel was there. According to the vision that I saw of the plain. And then said he unto me son of man. Lift up thy eyes north. And the way towards the north. So I lifted up my eyes the way towards the north. And behold, the northward gate, northward at the gate of the altar of this image of jealousy to in the entry. He said, Furthermore, to me, Son of man, seest thou that what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. But they turn yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court. When I looked, behold, the hole in the wall. Then he said unto me, Son of man, dig now the wall. And when I dig in the wall, behold the door. He said unto me, Go in, and wherefore the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, behold, every form of the creeping things, and abominable and all the idols of the house of Israel, portrayeth upon the wall round about. And there stood before the seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of Jehazaniah, the son of Shaphan, and every man his censer in his hand, and the thick cloud of incense went up. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of, the, of his imagery? For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. Amen. You may be seated. And again, I don't know why. I'm not going to apologize for the message. I know it seems awkward or weird to be preaching the scripture so much in this passage of scripture. But I'm going to draw our attention to the very last verse. And I want to read it to you in a couple different translations. In verse 12, he said, in New King James says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Another translation says, He said, Son of man, do you see what the elders are doing in the dark? Each one of them for his favorite God picture. 
They say, they tell themselves, God doesn't see us. God has forsaken the country. They were not so stupid to say, there is no God. They didn't cross that line and say, there is none in existence. They're saying, he has left us behind. He no longer cares about us. They didn't say he never was in existence and never taken care of them before. But they said, they've left us. I don't know where each and every one of us sit today in our life and our walk with God. It may be only one person. It may be only myself. And I want to preach this message about the portrait of uh, imperfection. I want God to talk to each and every one of us. So I know I read a lengthy passage of scripture, but I want to talk about the chambers of imagery. And no better phrase could better describe the mind of man than a secret chamber of imagery. Each and every one of us set inside of each and every one of our hearts and minds and thoughts race and go and ideas pass and go and flow out of each and every one of those channels in our mind and we may entertain something that we would never speak or say or share with somebody else. An attitude, a spirit, a thought, a conviction and we say, oh, I'll never do that. We share within our mind good or bad. Memory is the painter of your images. Painting of every deed and struggle that you have within your life. When you think I have heard every message and God still hasn't addressed my issue or my problem, God knows exactly where you're at and there's a message waiting to speak to you right now to tell you where you sit in your relationship with God. Our very wishes and purposes, even though they are not acted upon, sit in the corners of your mind waiting for God to speak to them. Even though you've never talked about them, even though in your walk with your family, you may not have expressed it to your children or expressed it to your spouse. But let me tell you, they're there and God knows exactly what's residing within your mind. This is where the secret plans, this is where resolves are made, this is where passions are conquered or subdued. This is where the idea of secrecy is a great and strong temptation to engage in private wickedness. Humans persuade themselves and all is well as long as they can uh, hide away their secret indulgences, indulgences and conceal them from everybody else. Everything is just alright. If this was the case and everything that we showed everybody else was the true character of our internal person, if how we dressed and talked and conducted ourselves, you might as well rip away the function of an altar. You might as well make it to where there's no longer needing a place to pray. But God gives us the opportunity through repentance in a daily walk with Him to wash away the things and say, God, don't ever let those things come back in my mind again. God gives us that opportunity. We can persuade ourselves all we want. We can say deep down in our heart, Pastor hasn't preached against it, so it must be all right. Let me tell you, the Word of God applies to every aspect of your life. Others may be unaware of your chamber's contents, but you cannot forget what is there. People may mock and say, oh, whatever happened to you in the past, it's the past. Let me tell you, saints of God, things stick in your mind. Issues you wrestled with, how you were treated, 
how people abuse you, how people treat you, how they ridicule you, how they handle you in public and say and mock and make fun of you. Those are things that you must wrestle with and conquer in your mind. Otherwise, there's those things that just get tucked away. And you say, I may never say anything to anybody else, but they're getting tucked away. And I'll think about it from time to time. And I'll say, that person's done me so dirty or wrong. That person's done me so bad. I can't wait until the opportunity for, me, for him to get their due and for them to get something bad that happens to them. You may never say it, but it's there. You must conquer that man. You must get the scrub brush. You must get the spiritual SOS pad out and scrub the walls as we read in our text. You see the man offering censor and worshiping as a spirit from the censor comes up. And you see the idols that's been painted on the walls and, and the attitudes that someone's been there. And this is the reflection I've seen. And you look back through history and we look at colors and we see things in our life. Pigments were natural. Now we look at them, a lot of them are man-made colors. We wear them today. They're, they're dyed with man-made images. A, a must-like black, this color is a, it's a pigment that's been manufactured for mass production. But back in the day and earlier before they had this, they took natural elements and they made the colors vibrant. They made and weave their clothes and it cost them something for them to get that color. They had to go to a certain plant or a certain uh, color of earth or a certain rock and it, it cost them something to make it for them to paint with the, the beautiful pictures and the colors. But in looking at each and every one of us today, we can go inside of our secret chambers. My mother sings an old song. An old song. Is there a secret place in your heart you didn't want no one to go? And it talks about that secret place that no one needs to ever see in your life. You know what, saints of God, we all have one today. It's a matter if it's a secret between yourself and nobody else or if it's just a secret you and God have. God, I've taken you there. The rest of the song talks about, I should have wrote the words down, but it talks about it when I handed him the key with tears and love of love on his face. He says you want to make, want me to make you clean. You have to let me in your secret place. You can say, oh, I've repented about everything. God's filled me with the Holy Ghost. But there's a place that you've got to let God in. You have to fully repent. There's a place you can close back up and say, God, I know you filled me with the Holy Ghost so many years ago, but they done me wrong again. And you slam the door, and you lock it back, and you hold the key in your hand. You say, God, just, just be good to me. Let me tell you when I walk through the back doors. But God said, you have to let me in the secret chambers of your heart. Because there's portraits there. You've taken a brush and dipped in your attitude. You've dipped in your bitterness and you've painted a portrait. And you spent time there alone and you sit there and painted a portrait you think is so beautiful. But when you step back and you see it for what it really is, it's a direct reflection of yourself and your issues. That as Lord sees how someone's treated you or how someone talks to you, or how life has beat you down. You must step up and erase everything you've done with God's blood. Wash it. It may be red. It's pure. And it makes you clean. 
In this secret chamber, you are not wishes and hopes for audible prayers that God hears. You chant and say incantations and worship your own little cheap God and say, I know better than the pastor. I know better than this person. I've been there. They don't know where I've been. They don't know how someone's treated me. But God knows he's been there. He stood on the pinnacle of the temple. He's been tempted in all ways. He's been beat down and abused. He's been scourged. He's been crucified. Our Savior knows everything about life. Don't ever say he can't find me. He'll know where I'm at. As you bow down your little cheap God and you say, this is who I really am and no one can understand me. God knows where you're at today. Won't be much longer. The secret bowing down on your soul is what determines your true worship. If you hide away deep within your heart, as Brother Merriman said just a moment ago, falling in love with Jesus. If you're bowing down and worshiping the God who created everything out of nothing, the one, as the song says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When they were driving nails through him and piercing him with a sword and piercing him with thorns and lashing out with a whip and stripping flesh off the bone and blood pouring off, he was thinking of each and every one of us, every sin you would commit, everything that you could ever do. God saying, please, please let my blood in your secret place. Allow my blood to permeate into the place. Allow that secret place that you go to, be one that you worship and you say, God, you've been so good to me. Tell deep within there your testimony. Allow my blood to wash over and say, God, thank you for making me clean. But if the attitude, if the spirit, if the one of being complacent, if it's something that shouldn't be there, God will find a way to get there. He'll preach a message. He'll sing a song. You'll put a scripture in your mind. You'll read it through just basic devotions as you're flying through, just trying to meet an obligation of doing your baby bread or reading your Bible chart. All of a sudden, something will pop out and it'll say, this is for you. This is for your issue. This is for your problem. You need to deal with it. God is giving us an opportunity to allow Him into our secret place, the place no one else ever sees. The one you can sit in a, in a counseling session in pastor's office the one you can sit in an intimate conversation with your loved ones talking about the real you that you still hold back. That's the one God wants this morning. I'll read through several scriptures in closing. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 22 and 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Matthew 6 and 21, for your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 15 and 19 through 20, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, defile of not the man. Matthew 12, 34, 35, no generation of vipers. How can you be evil? Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the tre evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Matthew 5 and 28, But I say unto you, For whosoever looketh upon a woman of lust after her hath committed adultery within her already in his heart. 
Mark 7 and 6, he answered and said to him unto them, Well, saith Isaiah's prophet of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honoreth me with their lips, but the heart is far from me. God is very stringent. He's very strict about the condition of a man's heart. You can say, well, I can just repent about it later. But God calls us to a place in our life where he says, you must get it out of your life now. As I said before, before I read my text, you can try to make Christianity. You can try to make the apostolic truth. You can try to make it palatable. You can shave off a few areas. You can sit there and say, if you can just be in a gummy version, if you can just be in something that's more liquid, it's something that doesn't cause me to wince, if it's just something that I can say it doesn't hurt me to take it, and I don't like taking God and, and cut him up, but it just makes me feel better when I can say it, it didn't hurt as bad. God gives us an opportunity to repentance. And musicians, please come. We now enter into our secret chamber of imagery by, by choice. There's a time soon coming when we will be able to, we will be forced to enter into it for judgment. Wouldn't it be so much better to stand before God, stand at an altar, and be able to deal with it right now? Deal with it in the time that you can do something about it than to stand before the great throne and have God tell you this is your issues. This is what you wouldn't deal with. This is what's in your heart. And pull it out before everybody to see and say this is what kept him from having eternal life. This is what kept him from throwing down a crown at my feet and saying give heart for me you workers of iniquity. I would much rather go to an altar this morning I would much rather get down on my knees and shed tears that make a difference instead of sitting there on a pew and saying, I'll just, you know, it's all right. It's just between me and God. Let God deal with it. Allow you to reach up and pull it out, so Saul says, and hand him the key. And let him reach down with tears of love on his face. And says, my child, you want me to make it clean? Thank you so much for letting me in your secret place. Romans chapter 14, 14 and verse 12. So that every one of us must give, shall give account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And we stand today. God gives us opportunities of repentance. You can say, well, I'm good. I do things in the church. I help people. I reach out to those around me. But you have to make sure there's something deep within your heart that's cleansed out. What are the contents of your secret images within that chamber? What have you written down and you said, I can't believe they did this? Or they shouldn't have done me so wrong. Or, you know, what? my turns off forgive them. But God asked us to go to that place. Are you burning more incense before your idols than before God that can do something? We sit here today where only repentance is the remedy for our life. We have to let God within our secret place. Can we lift our hands and talk to Him this morning? Heavenly Father, you know where each and every person's at. God, I can't explain this message. 
I can't give excuses for it, God. But you laid it on my heart, God. You knew exactly who would hear it. God, you knew who would be sitting on these pews today. You knew the issues they battle with. You've been asking to go there for so many years. You've been asking God for them to open up the door and God wash them once again. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've been there and you've spread the door wide open and God fills you with the Spirit. He forgave you of all your sins. But somehow, someway, down the road, you've opened up your heart and you said, God, I don't think you can do it. When you close that door, you're saying, God, you're no longer capable of washing the sound of you. Open up the depths of your heart today, say to God. Somebody needs to talk to him this morning. Can we gather in and find a place to pray and ask God, check me, know my heart. Know where I sit today, God. If I get an attitude really quick, God, is it because there's paints on the wall that I dip my brush in? If I flare up and my personality becomes out of the nature of a Christian, is there something inside of me down deep that needs to be washed and cleansed once again? Hallelujah.